What else has Danny Ocean been freed from? Anything? Okay, uh, what's he free to? What's he free to do now? Leave. Leave, right? You see him, he walks out of the uh, barbed wire fence. He can go. He's not in the confines anymore. What else is he free to do? Well, he was, uh, he was stuck with other prisoners. Now he's free to be with who he wants. He can be with who he wants to be with, yeah. There's so many right answers to this question. So many. What? He can drive a car now. He can go back to jail. He can. Yeah. He's free to go into McDonald's. Okay, well, that's, that's, that's where we're going next, okay? Okay, so he's free to do all sorts of things, right? He walked out of jail. He's all of this freedom now. But, but what is he not free to do? Can't go kill someone. Rob a casino, maybe? All right. Okay. Well, the reason we're jumping into this topic of Christian freedom, this is the next step in our doctrinal statement, um, with this video clip, is because we, especially as Americans, have a really hard time understanding what freedom really means. Okay? Um, And so, Scripture tells us that we as Christians are free. So we're going to start with a couple of quick passages. John, Jesus says to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Okay? So the truth will set you free. And then in Galatians, Paul writes to the Galatian church, for freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Okay? So we have this freedom that is promised to Christians. And so the big question for today is, what does it mean as Christians that we are free? What are we free from? What are we free to do? And what are we not free to do? And like I said, as an American, um, as Americans, we think a lot about freedom, right? When people say it's a free country, when do they usually say that? Well, like, what are they trying to prove? Alec? They want to say something that everyone Yeah, when they want to do something that no one else really likes, right? It's a free country. I can do whatever I want. Okay. What's that? Yeah, when they want to tell someone what to do. Yeah. Yeah, you've had that happen. Yeah, you come and you do something mean. It's a free country. You can do whatever we want, right? Now it's interesting for those. How many of you have ever left this country? Okay, you've left the country. Sometimes Americans get themselves in trouble in other countries. And they get themselves in trouble because they go through life thinking, I'm an American, I can do whatever I want. And the truth is, you can't, right? So there are people who I know who traveled to the Middle East and, you know, ended up in a Middle East prison 
because they got off a plane, and a plane is really deceptive because, you know, you're on a plane for a few hours, longer than a few, 12 hours, and you're in a totally different place, and you think that you're still kind of like where you took off from, and you're not, okay? There's different rules. There's different laws. You can't do whatever you want, and the truth is, even in America, can you really do whatever you want? No, you really can't, okay? But we tend to think that we can So our goal for this morning is to really define what it means to have Christian freedom, okay? Um, And is it really this idea that we can do whatever we want? And just one more quick illustration to get into our heads. You guys ever heard the phrase, free like a bird? I am free like a bird, right? Well, let's just ask, are birds free? How are birds not free? Hawks kill other birds, right? Yeah. There's predators out there. How else are birds not free? They can't eat people. Some can. Sometimes they're put in cages. Yeah, we just watched Mr. Popper's penguins last night with the kids. And then, yeah, there's one penguin who wants to fly. He just can't do it unless he eventually does. But don't want to spoil it for you. There's a little something, though, called gravity, right? So, I mean, a bird, yeah, it's free. You know, you see the birds soaring up in the sky. How did it get up there? It had to work to get up there, right? So, freedom is a word that we need to think about for a while and think, does it really mean what we think it means? Do we we use it the way it really needs to be used? And then, do we use it as we think about being a Christian and the way that it needs to be used, okay? So we're going to talk about what it means to be free as Christians, okay? And here's how we're going to do it, okay? We're going to spend a a long time looking at Scripture, um, like we have been here. And the first passage we're going to look at is Romans chapter 6. And we're going to ask these three questions. What are we freed from? So think about when you're in prison, you're freed from jail food and being told when you can get up and when you can lie down and where you have to go and, you know, barbed wire fences around you. What are we free to do? So when you get out of prison, you're free to go to McDonald's and to drive a car and to see your friends. And what are we not free to do? Okay. So those three questions as we look at Romans 6. And as usual, let's do it in groups, okay? So how about we do this? How about we do it with the four people closest to you? You can do this. Four people, groups of four is what I mean. Get in groups of four. All right. Well, I know that Romans is a little bit thick, Romans 6. But hopefully it starts to give us some ideas here, guys, okay? So what are some things that we could put into these categories here. What have we been set free from? What have we been set free to? And what are we not free to do based on some of the things that we see here? Dalen, yeah, give me one. We are free from sin. Okay, free from sin. Now we're going to need to define what that means, right? This is a big category, okay? Yep. Free from death. Can you tell me what verse you're looking at, maybe, or just 
If you don't have one, that's okay. It's Yeah, so verse 11, you must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God, okay? So sin, let's be a little bit more specific. We're dead to sin, okay? <clears throat> For death, we could look at 6.5. If we've been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. Okay, so we are going to be resurrected. And actually it's talking probably more about how the fact that we already are resurrected, we can live a holy life. Yeah? Um, we're free to worship God. Free to worship God. Okay. Yeah. And why were we maybe not free to worship God back here? Before Christ saves us. Yeah, because we're sinning. There's a special thing it talks about in here about our relationship with sin. Verse 6. Look at verse 6. Ruth? Okay, yeah. So in verse 6, we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. So maybe this is helping us to define this a little bit. We were enslaved to sin. In other words, before Christ, we couldn't choose but to sin. Like, the only thing we could choose was sin. We were slaves of sin. When sin comes upon us, we, uh, we do what it tells us to do. Okay? But now, we're no longer slaves to sin. Does that mean we're not slaves to anybody? <laughs> we're Americans. <laughs> we're free. <laughs> what is the, what's Romans 6 tell us? Okay. So it tells us we're slaves to righteousness. Okay? That's in like verse 16, it's a couple places. What else does it say we're slaves to? Anything else? Okay, yeah, so verse 4, that's good. Free to walk in newness of life. <clears throat> Nick, I also explained to why that we're free from our own self. And yeah, right. In verse 6 there. Free, oh yeah, verse 6 here. Free from our old self. Good. Anything else? Yeah? Um, I say that, oh wait, are we doing the not free to do? Yeah, anywhere. Okay. Um, I'd say, like, continue in sin that grace may abound in verse 1. Yeah. And verse 15. So let's read verse 1 and verse 15 really quick. Verse 1, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means, verse 2. And if you go to verse 15, what then? Are we to sin because we are not under law but under grace? By no means. Okay, so we're not free to go on sinning. And this is huge, guys. This is something that is misunderstood 
throughout many Christian circles, okay? A lot of people, when they first come to Christ, or even people who've been following Christ for a while, they get into this trap of thinking, Jesus freed me from punishment, so I can do whatever I want, all right? And they get into immoral relationships, and they uh, continue in sin that have been kind of things they've been wrestling with, and they just think, well, I can do it because I'm a Christian, and I'm free, and God's going to forgive me. And Paul, when he encounters that idea, he just says, by no means. Like, this is crazy talk. You can't just keep on sinning. And one of the reasons is, look at verse 16. If you present, uh, do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey? So if you come up with this idea, well, I can just keep on sinning, and you keep presenting yourself to sin, you're making yourself a slave of sin, and that's something you were freed from. Don't go back into serving sin as your master. You are a slave of righteousness, which means when you think of all the things God commands you to do, that's what you should be a slave to do, to do what God commands. And in fact, even in verse 22, it says... Now that you have been set free from sin and become slaves of God, right? And if you're like, oh man, this freedom thing isn't sounding so great. We're still slaves. We'll read what it says next. You're slaves of God. The fruit you get leads to sanctification. So when we're slaves of God, we become more and more holy and its end, eternal life. So when you're a slave of God, what you get is holiness and eternal life. When you're a slave of sin, what you get is death. This is the big comparison that he's trying to draw for us. He's not saying, you're free, so you can do whatever you want. We're not free to do whatever we want. Okay? We're free... To be slaves, give ourselves as slaves of righteousness, free to walk in newness of life, free to be slaves of God. So let's add some definers here. Yeah, Elijah. Um, we're, uh, we're yeah, so worship God, we can put that word alive in Christ. Okay? So I know these are somewhat abstract concepts, so let's add some uh, let's add some more concrete ideas here that might help us, okay? What we're freed from, when we say that we're free from sin, we're free from death, one of the things that we're going to say we're free from is we're free from punishment. We're free from the punishment that we deserve as sinners, okay? There's a penalty, there's punishment, and that punishment is, what's the punishment for disobeying God's law? Death. So when he says that we're free from death, what he's saying is we're free from punishment. We're free from the penalty of sin. And the reason we're free from it is because in Romans 6, he's telling us, we already paid it. If you have been baptized, you are baptized into Jesus' death. You already died. That's the argument he's making. So you already paid the punishment when Jesus died. So you don't have a punishment that's out there waiting from you. You're also free from 
bondage to sin. Slavery to sin. That's what that's talking about. You don't have to sin anymore. Now, does that mean you're never going to sin? We all know the answer to that is no, right? But you now have Okay, so for the first time in Christ, you have the ability to not sin. It's not saying you're never going to sin, but you have the ability to not sin. Now, why do we have the ability to not sin? What happened? You guys think, how would you answer it? Maybe like the Holy Spirit lives in you now and helps you make the right decisions. Okay, it's an awesome answer. I'm going to take off the first two words. Maybe, like. <laughs> the Holy Spirit lives in you, so you have the power to not sin. Okay? The ability to not sin is not because you are so awesome. The ability to not sin is because your flesh, okay, which is your sinful nature, has another power that's come to dwell in you alongside of it called God dwelling in you so that he can empower you to not sin. You have the ability to not sin. Okay, another one. Alright, we'll just keep going here. We're going to talk a lot more about spiritual warfare next week, because next week we're hitting angels and demons as the next kind of part of our story. But bondage to Satan is a very real thing. Okay, Satan, I think I actually have it in my next verse here. Let's see what it says. Nope. This is a different one. We'll get to bondage in a second in a minute. God has not destined us for wrath, but for salvation, okay? So we're freed from... We're freed from the wrath of God. That's another huge thing you've been freed from. Okay? You're not going to experience God's wrath. Let's go to another passage, Romans 5, 1 and 2. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God... Is that something, where does that go here? Free to. Okay, we're free to have peace with God. Um, through him we also have obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Okay, so we have access into God's grace. Galatians 5.13 for you are called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. What's this one? Where's this one go? I think it goes over here, right? What, what should we put here? Okay, for your own gain, opportunity for the flesh. That's kind of vague, like what is opportunity for the flesh? But the flesh is our sinful nature. Okay, so don't use your freedom to do whatever your body wants to do, your heart wants to do, okay? That is really the proof text for this. Galatians 
we aren't free to do just whatever we want. Don't use your freedom to do whatever you want. Yeah? Uh, we're, uh, we're free to uh, serve one another? Yeah, use your freedom to serve one another. That's what we've been free to do. That's huge. So live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil. We're not free to do evil. And then Romans 14, we're going to look at that in just a minute, but yeah, so bondage to Satan I was going to hit. Um, I guess I didn't put that verse in there. But Satan doesn't have ultimate control over us anymore. Right? We're bound to who? God. We're slaves of God. Okay? Um, well, there's a few other things there. But before we... We're running out of time here. So I want to hit Romans 14 really quick. Because this is one last chapter that is really helpful. Like We have to understand Romans 14 if we're going to understand what it means that we are free. So let's read this together. It's going to be the whole chapter. Just follow along. As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. One person believes he may eat anything, while the weak person eats only vegetables. Now this is not like the proof text against vegetarians, okay? So it's just here. Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains, and let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats. For God has welcomed him. What in the world are we talking about? Well, we are talking about the ancient practice in the Roman market of taking food that was sacrificed to an idol. This is what they would do. They would sacrifice an animal before an idol. And then they would sell the meat from that sacrifice in the market. So just think about it. Cow goes up to the idol's temple. They sacrifice it to worship a false god. And then they take the meat. And they go and they put it in the market and it's for sale. So you can have hamburgers that night. Okay? And the question is, can I as a Christian eat that meat that was just sacrificed in worship to a false god? What do you guys think the answer is? No. Okay. Alright? Sure and no. Alright? This is a good representation of this passage. Okay? The answer theologically... It's sure. You can eat it. There's, don't call what God has made clean unclean. You can eat it. But not everyone feels that way. Okay? Especially someone who may have just become a Christian out of worshiping that idol. That was their cult. That is what ruined their life, that put them in bondage of Satan, that enslaved them to sin. They may not, on day number two of being a Christian, say... Oh yeah, let's go eat the uh, sacrificed idol meat. They might say, I want to get as far away from that stuff as I possibly can. Okay, so now you've got two Christians in the room. You've got someone who's really mature, who says, God has made all food clean and we can eat it. And you've got the other guy who says, I was just in that cult and I have a big problem with eating that food. What are you supposed to do? What does your freedom declare you to be able to do it? Should, should the mature person say, come on, buck up, we're free, eat it, put some, you know, A1 sauce on it and just gobble it down, it'll be good. No, that's actually not what he's supposed to do. These are rhetorical questions, I'm going to answer them right here, okay? Just a second, Dave, let me go, I keep going. He says, who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? 
It is before his own master that he stands or calls, and he will be upheld for the Lord is able to make him stand. Uh, blah, 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 blah. We're going to keep going. This is all helpful in the argument. Okay, so he says, why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or why, you, why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, every tongue shall confess. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. Therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or a hindrance in the way of a brother. So who's more prone to putting a stumbling block, the more mature person or the less mature person? Actually, the more mature person is in danger of going to the less mature Christian and saying, you should just eat the food, okay? So he says, if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love. So if you are just gobbling down on the idol meat and your, your new Christian friend is like, I can't believe he's eating that. I just saw that get sacrificed to the demons down the street. Okay? Very real scenario. I'm not embellishing it. If that is how that person feels, guess who's sinning? It's the person who's eating the meat. It's the person who says, I'm free. I can eat this meat. Even though they are free to eat the meat. The problem is who they're eating the meat next to. Okay? You're, dis- you're no longer walking in love. He says, by what you eat, do not destroy the one for whom Christ died. So do not let what you regard as good to be spoken of as evil, for the kingdom of the God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. And it goes on. It's a great argument. Um, but basically, okay, the idea is you really, really, really aren't free to do whatever you want even if the Bible says you can do that thing. Because you are only free to serve one another. And if what you're doing is harming the faith of someone else, you've got to stop. So there's a reason why I, as a youth pastor, who am 30-something years old, I can't remember, it keeps changing every year. Um, (laughs) I know. There's a reason why I, as a youth pastor, am legally allowed to drink alcohol, but when I go to the high school barbecue, I don't pick up a six-pack on my way there for myself to drink at the barbecue. Why? Well, first of all, because it's not legal for you to drink it, and, and second of all, it's probably not helpful for you to sit there and watch me drink it. Um, it's not helpful for you when you have all sorts of pressures in life, possibly, encouraging you to drink it illegally and for the wrong reasons. And so as a youth pastor, I constantly have to ask myself, is this something that's helpful? Or you could go another route. You could say you have a Jewish friend. If you have a Jewish friend who has, praised the Lord, come to Christ and accepted Christ as his Messiah, as his Savior, and has spent his whole life never touching pork, and became a Christian this year, you say, hey, you should come over for Easter. We celebrate Christ's resurrection, and we're going to have a huge ham. <laughs> and he might be like, okay, I've never touched that in my entire life. That's going to be tough for me. Is that really what you should serve? 
at Easter for your Jewish friend? No. Okay, we're not supposed to do things that cause one another to stumble. Yeah. Excellent point. I am a lightweight when it comes to that sort of thing. So, a two-pack two would do me in, all right? Okay. Thank you, wise one. All right. Here we go. We're going to finish up one minute. So let's ask these questions. How do you answer this question? Or how do you answer this statement? Christian friend says, I am free... So my question is, why do I still sin? How would you answer that? If someone says, I thought that Jesus freed me, why is it that I still wrestle with sin? What would you say? Any thoughts? Yeah? That's exactly right. So we're free from the uh, bondage to sin, but we are given the ability to not sin, but that doesn't mean that we're never going to sin. Okay? That's a great answer. So that's how we answer that question. All right? How about this oh-so-popular phrase that we hear often, you do you? You do you. Well, what what does Christian freedom have to say about you do you? Can you really do you as a Christian? No. No. You can't do you because you've been freed to serve one another, to show love to one another. You aren't free to do you all the time, whatever you want. Because our nature is sinful, so us being us would be us sinning all the time. Exactly. Okay? All right. Well, guys, we are out of time. Um, Yeah, so we are out of time. I can't keep looking at my notes. I should finish. Let's, uh, let's pray, and we'll ask the Lord to help us to experience this Christian freedom in our lives here. Lord, we are thankful for this word and our doctrinal statement, this uh, truth that talks about what life is like for us as Christians. Um, I th- I'm thankful for Paul and his work in Romans and uh, helping us to define what Christian freedom is. I pray for us as we... Uh, seek to live freedom in Christ, free lives in Christ, to know that that is freedom to be righteous, freedom to be slaves to God, uh, freedom from sin, freedom from death, the punishment of sin. But Lord, I pray that you would keep us from the deception that we can do whatever we want. For our hearts are wicked, our flesh is wicked. So help us to be people who Uh, ask you to be revealing where our sin is, who seek the Holy Spirit's help to stop sinning and depend entirely on you and work hard at becoming holy. Let me pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.